You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Hello and welcome to episode 85 of the Managemental Podcast, a weekly discussion on hot topics in the music biz for the up-and-comers, the brand newbies, the beginners, and aspiring rock stars of tomorrow. This podcast is propelled by your input and feedback, so please rate and review and leave us a comment on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to this show. I am the co-host from the other coast, but I am live from Los Angeles, California. And while Mr. Blasco is battling a hurricane on the East Coast, I have brought in a guest for all of us to uh, learn from and discuss. Uh, We did this last week as well on episode 84, which was how to get an internship in the music business without any experience, or sorry, that's without a single contact. You gotta have some experience. And this week, so if you, you know, as Blasco would say, it was a great episode, so go check that out if you haven't done so already. This week, I am joined by another great friend. He is also on the left coast, which he will tell us is probably the best coast. It is a man who I know only as Biggie, the manager of such great bands, which he will tell us in a minute, and I believe uh, an owner or at least a participant in a great company called Good Fight. Biggie, why don't you give us a, a little bit of an introduction about yourself and uh, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Mike. Long time listener, first time calling, you know? I Absolutely. Think I think I've heard every episode, honestly, not to be a fanboy here. No, it's all good. Actually, what's funny is that you, when we caught up recently, which, you know, we text a lot, but when we caught up on the phone, <laughs> I thought one of the funniest things you said to me was, I feel like I've talked to you all the time because I listen to you each and every week, which uh, I knew meant made you a genuine uh, consumer of, of this of this wonderful podcast that Blasco uh, has allowed me to participate in. So anyways, back to you, brother. Back to me. Yeah, you're right. I'm uh, one of the owners of Good Fight Entertainment. Uh, there's a label arm that I do not participate in, and there's a management arm, which I do. And uh, while there are many bands under the management umbrella, the bands I personally work with are, let's see, there's a lot, let's go. Circus Survive, Between the Buried and Me, Every Time I Die, Turnstile, Knock Loose, you know, th- there's there's a bunch of them. Um, wow, the, in, in that handful right there, I think you've floored me. Um, and maybe this makes you the expert in, in management on this call. I mean, really, you know, I was looking at your Instagram this morning, not in preparation for this because Blasco is the one who prepares. Uh, I was looking at it because I'm a fanboy, uh, or just, you know, checking out what's going on with you. And you had a post recently that indicated that, you know, it had been about 10 years since you got off the road as a tour manager and entered this great, confusing and wonderful uh, profession of management. Does that sound about right? It's been a, 10 years. It's exactly right. It's the, the, to the date is coming up like next Monday. I think I marked it cause I'm a nerd, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm 38 years old. When I was 18, I started touring until I was 28. And then now here we are 10 years later. And I was thinking about this the other day. That means 
you know, I've been working in some form in the music business for 20 years of my 38 years, you know, more, more music yeah. industry than not. And it's just, to me, I'm still the young guy and I'm definitely not the young guy anymore, which is fucked up to think about. Um, you know, 20 years to in, it's just crazy. <laughs> <laughs> totally. And, you know, we have very similar journeys. You know, we both come from the, the hardcore scene, you know, which of course overlaps with the punk scene. You, um, or, you know, of course in Orange County, uh, from my time that I spent up in Santa Barbara, uh, our paths absolutely crossed. And, and then like many of us that, you know, toured with artists and, and either, you know, didn't play or didn't play very well. In my case, you know, we found our niche in supporting the artists that we love. You know, I think uh testament to kind of our personalities. Um, I don't know if you started as a tour manager or if it was much like me where you were kind of like a dude that went on tour and helped Jack of all trades. I was selling merch. I was doing all these things. And then, you know, inevitably ended up in what was the tour manager's role. And, you know, it sounds like a very similar timeline. I was 29 when I decided to get off the road. I am a bit older than you. So I've been managing artists for 15 years, but, um, you know, I think what's really great in, in watching your career, because yeah, I mean, in some ways you, you always have been the young guy, you really just approach it with a passion and, you know, in your post, it was a gratitude for being able to do what you do and work with the people that you work with, which to me is just so inspiring. Um, it is a, you know, it can be a very challenging business. And for you to be able to uh, maintain an attitude of positivity in it is something that I look to. So, um, yeah, maybe just give us a minute on, on, a, on you know, how, how you made that transition. You know, this podcast, we're going to cover an article about touring, which I think we both got a lot of expertise on. But since you are a guest, give us any other background, you know, short, short little background on you and, and any, you know, kind of general, general, uh, yeah, bit there, whatever bit I'm trying to ask. You got it. Yeah. Very, very similar, if not the same exact come up as you. I was the guy that was fun enough to be around, but had no talent to be in a band. So they're like, Hey, let's bring Biggie out. He'll probably like get naked and, you know, jump off this girl's roof or something that of the house we're staying at. Um, you know, hopefully there was a pool there or you were just yeah. jumping off of rooms. <laughs> usually, usually in my head, I'm jumping into a pool. Um, exactly. yeah. And you know, Oh, we have t-shirts we got to sell. You should sell them or, Oh, you know, we got to rent a van. Maybe you could find out how to do that. And shit, we got signed to a label. Like you should talk to the label guy about getting our CDs to us and, you know, reordering merch. And before you know it, I'm a, what I always call an overly involved tour manager is because I, as with anything in life, I can't just be like a guy that's there. I'm trying to, whether I should be or not, I'm trying to run things. And so I'm the tour manager accidentally undermining the manager here and there, either getting shit done that I think I could do faster or better or, you know, just pure um, naivety of just thinking like, oh, just do it, even though protocol wise is totally wrong. And that's just, you know, the ignorance is bliss and beauty of being young. Um, and after many years of it, um, my good friend and, and yours too, Paul Conroy, who I was tour managing bands under plucked me off the road because I said, dude, I, I like met this chick. I'm super into her. Like I've never, I've never like been bummed to go on tour before. And it really scared me because I was making like a good living tour managing every time I die. And, uh, you know, he pretty much took me off the road and said, you should just manage bands. It made it sound that easy. And luckily with the connections I already had and him as a guide, it kind of was that easy for me. You know, I started off, I, I convinced every time I die to let me be a uh, participant in managing with them. I was a co-manager and then uh, picked up Between the Buried and Me and then picked up Bless the Fall just off of people I knew in those bands. 
Um, and before I knew it, I had this full roster essentially uh, out of the gates and I just never looked back. And, you know, a whole long story short, Paul ended up leaving the company. I ended up ste- stepping as part of the, one of the managers. And, you know, literally here we are 10 years later trying to run this company, which is something I never really signed up to do. Um, while continuing to manage bands and maybe accidentally becoming a mentor to some of my younger guns in the process. Yeah. I mean, it's all so cool and inspiring and it, it is very similar to mine, which is one of the reasons, you know, why when, uh, Blasco is dealing with, he's what he's dealing with out on, you know, tour with Ozzy. Um, I tapped you to say, Hey, let's talk about something that we both, uh, know from pretty much all angles of, you know, this music business, having toured with bands, you know, I've played in a band. Of course, we've managed bands at various levels. The article that we're going to cover is, um, from hypebot.com and it's how much does it cost to tour in 2018 but before we get there i this is why i love blasco he's usually got my sponsor drops ready for us so before we get into this i just want to remind everybody we've got two great sponsors this week one is of course rockabilia we talk about them each and every week if you haven't listened to the past episodes please go back and listen to them they've been supporting our show and the Jabberjaw Media Podcast Network for quite some time. They're a great place to get pretty much anything you need in any genre, 500,000 plus items of merchandise. So go to rockabilia.com. We've got a network-wide code PC Jabberjaw uh, for 15% off of your entire order. Please tell them that Blasco, Mike, and in this case, Biggie uh, told you to stop by and you can, you know, if you're looking for shirts for anybody, but you know, Biggie's named some pretty amazing clients. Circus Survive, Between the Barrier to Me, Every Time I Die. If you, you know, don't want to go to the band's direct stores, head over to Rockabilia. They're great people. Um, and then the other one is bandzoogle.com. Um, those guys build band websites, which, you know, we won't get into the the merits of those. We will just say, if you're looking for one, which I would encourage you to do so, um, head over to bandzoogle.com. Use the code MENTAL for 15% off biggie any experience with rockabilia uh or banzoogle and if not it's totally fine uh rockabilia i had always seen their ads pop up and when you guys started promoting them i actually went over and just said like come on five hundred thousand. that seems like a little silly and dude, sure enough they have tons of stuff my band like i'm just like oh my god this is this is seriously a one-stop shop so uh support them i it, i always appreciate companies that get behind things like podcasts because to them it's kind of a gamble i don't know if people really understand that like there's no huge quantifiable way to say but you know the code helps but in terms of their growth there's not like a really massively quantifiable way for these companies to prove that is really helping so i think podcasting is such an amazing tool and such a such a thing I, i swear by that i just love companies that are down to get behind this kind of new wave of marketing so hats off to them i say support them Yep. And so once again, at rockabilia.com, PC Jabberjaw, 15% off. And um, what about Banzoogle? You guys, do you build websites for your artists? Do you have an everytimeidie.com or .net? Or is that an integral part we got of them. what I usually do? make the labels do it, if I'm being totally honest. <laughs> but I heard I heard the episode with them with them on here. Um, I loved it. I didn't I didn't know Banzoogle tell this show and that their, uh, their story is awesome. So 
I haven't used them, but I would recommend it. Yeah, and and you know we'll get into the meat of this episode momentarily. But yes, Banzoogle, and it's funny as I'm looking at this Hypebot page, this article is a very recent one. It looks like it's from uh, this year, and Banzoogle has a digital ad, a banner ad on the side. So very cool that they're supporting all types of places. So we're gonna get into how much does it cost to tour in 2018 and i believe that is still this year correct me if i'm wrong um it is a guest post from a company called royalty exchange won't go into that too much but um feel free we'll link the article in the show notes and um it starts off it has been commonly acknowledged that touring is now how artists make are sorry are making their money in today's music business but hitting the road brings with it a host of expenses. Here, they're going to break down the various costs of touring into three different tiers, basic, medium, and premium. So first and foremost, I think it's really interesting that they even are breaking it into tiers. Have you ever thought of it in that way with your artists? Because you do manage artists at all three levels, most likely. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely things that I don't even consider for some bands on both sides. It's like, well, I can't ask this band to tour in a van. And conversely, it makes no sense for this band to tour in a bus. So I don't know if I broke it down into organized tiers like they did. But yeah, my brain definitely works like that for sure. Cool. And so it continues to say touring is where the money is at in today's music business. But it is also where most of the expenses lie as well. Creating a realistic tour budget can help your time on the road to be successful, but it's far from a guarantee that you'll end up turning a profit. The band Pomplamoose famously lost almost $12,000 on the month-long tour they wrote about in 2014, and there's a link in the article. It says, from transportation to gear to routing to accommodations to paying third parties, having a good idea of how much touring costs is essential for musicians who hope to make their time out on the road worth their while. If you're confused about how much it really costs to tour, and don't be ashamed if you are then you're in luck they've broken down the cost of touring here and like anything else the costs depend on what stage you're at in your career broken it into these three tiers that we talked about so we'll dig in first basic so the basic uh, level says this expense level represents the most basic cost of touring transportation to and from each show gas money paying band members, etc. Things like cramming an entire band into a small hotel room each night and relying on the smallest outside crew possible is common at this level of touring. Artists and bands touring on a tight budget usually stick to this expense level. Um, I mean, pretty standard across the board. What would you, would you add anything to this, take away anything away, or just kind of call it, say, yep, that's about as basic as it gets? Well, yeah, I would almost argue that there maybe needs to be a, a tier below this because, I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm sure you did tours where you didn't cram into a hotel room because yep. you couldn't afford it. I'm sure you did a crew where you didn't have the smallest crew because it was just the band and you, you know, like, yep. I get what they're saying, but there, I think there's definitely a level under this, but that'd be a pretty boring level to read about, you know? Yeah, so, totally. For intents and, <laughs> totally. intents and purposes, I, I get what they're saying. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, you know, look, it's even interesting here, paying band members. It's like, okay, we've been on plenty of tours where nobody quote unquote gets paid. If there is profit at the end, maybe they split it up. Maybe they reinvested into the uh, band itself, or maybe there is no profit. And I do, you know, I'll reiterate that no matter what, uh, level you're at, whether it's basic, medium, or premium, 
Uh, none of those are, are necessarily imply that, you know, more profit is being made. It's just that more money is being generated and potentially, as they say, more money's being spent. So the medium tier, they just say the artists touring at the medium expense level are able to allocate extra funds to things like live show production features, more comfortable accommodations, promotion efforts for their shows, tours with a medium budget make life easier for artists and shows can be more engaging for fans. Uh, any just top level comments on that tier, Biggie? Uh, no, I think, I, you know, I, I, I read the article through and I think, you know, it's all pretty, I can't really speak on the premium. That's, that's all I know when they talk about. Yeah. So premium. <laughs> so everybody says premium, no expenses spared for artists who can afford a tour at this level, elaborate stage production, massive live in live in touring rigs, dozens of touring staff members represent a level. So you can read more about this. And, and I just went, you know, they talk about Katy Perry's recent 18 month tour. I just went and saw the smashing pumpkins. Um, you know, blast goes out with Ozzy. Those are premium level. And so I think Biggie and I would both say that, you know, just as you said, there's a level below basic within the worlds that we've talked about. And look, you know, I mean, Circus Survive and BT Bam and Every Time I Die, these are no joke bands. I mean, Circus Survive has has headlined the Shrine in LA, which is 5,000 plus people. You know, I would say there's, you know, basic, medium, large and then premium or something there's something a bit bigger than medium that you have a lot of expense i mean a lot of expertise with when i'm doing refused some of the stuff we did with periphery we came as romans have had some experience on that level so let's let's just talk about it says now that they've explained the three expense levels of touring and again the point here isn't to pick apart what is in each level or not it's just to say in your thinking, you know, artists, you know, many of the people who listen to this are loyal listeners. They are in developing artists. It's kind of good to, to be able to know what other artists are doing and to allow yourself to maybe have some goals of, hey, we're a below basic band right now. We want to jump the basic by the end of next year and we want to be medium within two years from that. Um, that's really the, the helpful part here. So it says it's important to note that even these three tiers is a huge range of costs to consider. Every artist's financial situation is unique. So there's no single way to gauge touring expenses. But now we get into the fun. We get into the expenses themselves. So first and foremost, they talk about production expenses. It says this includes equipment and transportation rentals, lights, props, costume changes, and sound engineering expenses. These are just a few of the many production expenses often involved with touring. For artists touring at the most basic level, these experiences are mostly covered by the venues where they perform, but prices quickly increase uh, the more elaborate a tour gets. Then it talks about a recent article in The Guardian, which is a um, newspaper based in the UK, profiled the manager of a massive touring act that wished to remain anonymous. He claimed that it cost the artist he managed over $750,000 each day to stay on the road, whether they were performing or not. While not all money goes directly to production expenses, it's safe to assume a good portion of a major artist touring budget is spent on renting tour buses, stage equipment. So it gives here the number, the range in basic, zero to 5K, medium, five to 500K, and then premium, oh, sorry, medium is $5,000 to $50,000, and premium is $50,000 to $10 million. Now, mind you guys, we're talking just production <laughs> how's that, how's that expenses. Range? Yeah, I know, right? No, well, that's why, you know, <laughs> yeah, I love it. Um, it's, it's That's why I'm saying, you know, the, they're, they're, 
there's surely more things, but let's just talk about production expenses. Um, and really, you know, I'd love to start at like that more basic tier for you. You know, what are some of the artists, uh, you know, especially when you first started touring out and you talk about being at that below basic level or some of the artists that you manage when they were very basic, even if it was just one tour, what were the key elements, you know, that were in common if anything, and then when did you kind of make some decisions and how do you make decisions to introduce production, right? Right, yeah, well, for me, I'm, I'm, I'm a big provocate of sound. Sound to me is num- number one in a live scenario. So if you're gonna invest in production, I would say the first thing you should do is a front of house guy. You know, once, once you're past a merch seller, of course, you know, I think sounding good to people you're trying to impress should be number one. Um, after you've done that, I'm a big fan of lighting also, because I think even a simple lighting show completely separates a band from everyone else that night. I used to tour with every time I die and literally run construction lights and like a simple cheesy strobe and the amount of compliments we got just because I knew the music so well and music and, and lights turning on and off in unison with sound. It just, it just makes a difference. So if you get, you get the right guy that knows your songs. You don't have to spend a lot of money just to stand out a little. If you're five bands on on the stage all screaming about similar shit, sounding similar, you know, maybe maybe the person who's only there to see the last band remembers that second band that kind of kept their eyes peeled. Yeah, you know? I mean, and so it sounds like to me what you're advocating for in your artists is how do we make a better show, a better experience, right? Because, you know, you you get to work with so many fantastic artists. I mean, just the 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 handful of ones that you mentioned, I mean, are all like household names and many people that listen to this podcast, I'm sure it's household names in their playlists. And so, you know, what I would imagine having seen so many of those bands is how is it that you're taking, you know, this music that, yeah, it's good. It's, it's great. in often cases in, in terms of just listening on, you know, a streaming platform or a CD or an album and making an experience in the live capacity. Is that kind of what you're aiming for by in, in instituting some production? Yep, exactly. And so what happens, are there any examples or anything you can say of when artists try to do it too soon or, you know, like you talk about touring with Every Time I Die and back when I toured with Botch, you know, absolutely. Bands were using, you know, I remember going to Home Depot and buying these strobes and all that stuff. And I mean, really, for a very small amount of money, yeah, creating a DIY light show. Are there examples of artists who come to you and say, hey, look, we want to look like X. And you say, well, dude, you can only afford, you know, half of X. Um, how do you navigate those sort of decision-making processes? Not necessarily to say you can't have it, but, you know, how do we get there? Does that make sense? Yeah, well, a lot of it, it, yeah, when I get hit up about stuff that we can't afford or shouldn't afford, I am, and it's probably a recurring theme here, very money conscious for myself and for bands. Um, Not a fan of bands going on tour and not making money because in the long term, you know, what are we doing here? We, I need to make money. They need to make money. You can only go out and see the sites in America and Europe so many times for free until you're like, Hey, like these pictures aren't paying the bills. So I'm huge on budgeting, obviously as every manager is and letting them, you know, just putting it in front of them. Like, that's cool. You want this great light show and you know, a full crew and maybe a bus or a bandwagon, but that's, this is what the budget looks like with all that. 
and you come home and you pay everybody out and you divide that net by five to pay each of you. And it's not a lot. It's not a lot, even if you tour lean. So if you're touring crazy, you're just not going to make money. And it, it's just something I try to instill at a very young age in bands. And, you know, I think there's something to be said about it because I, I have a lot of older bands that have seen uh, peers kind of fall by the wayside. And a, and a common theme, I think, are bands don't know when to pull back if they were at a level they aren't anymore or they try to jump to a level too fast to keep up with, you know, keep up with the Joneses and their little crew, you know, their little circle of music. And it's just not right for everyone. Um, and in terms of getting there, you know, same as always, like I'm a slow and steady wins the race guy, little by little. If you want a light show, I don't think you you immediately go hire a, an LD that costs $2,000 a week and run, you know, crazy lights, I, you know, start a little add to a show that you own. So you're not just renting it. And then maybe you get big enough to where it's like, oh man, it kind of just makes sense to spend a few hundred bucks a day to make our show that great because we're getting paid enough and we got to put on a show for these fans that are seeing us for the fifth and sixth time. But as with anything, I think that's a slow build and can start with relatively inexpensive options first. Yeah, I mean, that's such great advice. And and just everybody out there listening, as we go through all of this stuff, you know, one of the things I hear you saying, Biggie, is, you know, look, it's really about what, you know, running a budget is is paramount to all of this because at the end of the day, you know, if, if the artist wants to make sure that they're putting on the best show possible and understands that that is going to take money out of their pockets and they still choose to do so, you know, look, that's not necessarily a terrible strategy. It could be that they know that by going out and spending money on one tour is going to, uh, you know, spread word and allow other parts of their business to grow, but you have to have those numbers in place. And so for all of you out there listening, you know, it, it really is important, no matter what level thing we're talking about here, what expense column, you need to be able to build it in a budget. Frankly, it's not super hard. Biggie and I aren't the smartest guys in the freaking business. Uh, we knew how to do Excel or taught ourselves how to do Excel. You can do it on 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 paper if you have to. Write out what your incomes are going to be. Write out what your expenses are going to be. The difference between those two is either the profit or the loss. Of course, there's going to be some variables, but that's really the key. So we'll move on to um, accommodations next. It says the band and your crew have to sleep sometime, right? Accommodations usually prove one of the most expensive aspects of touring, especially at the basic and medium levels. Young, unestablished acts are often fine winging it by crashing on any available floors each night out on the road, but things get expensive quick for artists who require hotels and Airbnbs. Um, and then it talks about, you know, a couple examples, but it says basic is 3,100 to 6,200. Um, I guess this would probably be in a month. Um, and then medium would be 6,200 to 25K, premium being 25,000 to $5 million. So guys, just to do the simple math, um, Biggie might be able to help me out here. If you're out on a 30 day tour or 31 day tour, cause it's a month long and it's $3,100 is your bottom line. What is that a night on average? hundred bucks. There he goes. Look at this ladies and gentlemen. And so 6,200 is 200 bucks. So comments here. I mean, you know, a hundred bucks a night, you know, you talked about in the basic side, it's members of a band. Let's use every time I die when you toured with them, probably five guys in the band and then yourself. So that's six people, hundred bucks a night. Where are you staying? How is that even working? And you talk about a time when 
you weren't spending anything. You're just sleeping on people's floors. How do you determine what you're spending? How do you determine where you're making that jump from staying on somebody's floor to a, to a one room shared thing? Like, yeah, just give me your insight on this thing. Well, you mentioned every time I die and they're a tough one. They're a tough band to live up to if you're a 20 year old band like they are, because they take pride in being cheap and take pride in being able to live completely off the band. There's no like, you know, that those dudes own houses and raise families off of every time I die. Uh, that's hard to do. And a lot of that is while they're on tour, they could easily afford a bus. They could easily afford a bigger crew. They could easily afford nice hotel rooms. In this, in this case, we're talking about accommodations. Some of those guys actually have, you know, like a five-star rating. And if it's a one-star, like the one star is sh- shaded in and the other four are blank. Those guys, <laughs> those guys have one-star tattoos on them. So one colored in star and then like four blank stars because they pride themselves on staying in terrible-ass hotel rooms for like 40 or 50 bucks a night because, you know, looking at, looking at this math right here, if you, conversely, they get two rooms. So if you save 100 bucks a night, all of a sudden, it's 3000 more dollars at the end of the tour. So divided by five, 600 bucks to like, to what? They, sometimes they pop in the room at 2 a.m. or out by 8 a.m. Who cares what the spa is like? You know, they just need a place to lay down, get a shower, and get back on the road. So, uh, well, and then cu- counter I, that because that's incredibly admirable. And, and, you know, look, I'll say I toured and slept on floors and I'm not above doing that. I will say I also, as a person who travels, I like to stay in a nice hotel from time to time. So like what, give me, give me some other examples of where artists have, have made that jump and what that thought process is like. And what is your advice? I mean, if you're a frugal guy but they want to make sure because this, I mean, you know, as much as I appreciate the frugality and being able to come home with money, I also respect survival on the road, especially as you get older aches and pains are more. If you're the singer of a band and you're not sleeping at night, you know, because uh, you're not comfortable and your voice goes out, you run into some risks there. So talk about some of the other artists or at least just in the general frame of stuff you've seen, what works, how those decisions are made. Right. Yeah. Well, again, it all comes down to budgeting and this will bleed into the next, the next bit of the article, which is transportation expenses. But to me, if you're not in a van and renting hotel rooms, you know, the next step is obviously a bandwagon, which is, I don't know how to explain that to someone who doesn't know, but Google it. And it's essentially a box truck that they built to have like bunks and an RV scenario. And so either a bandwagon or a bus and those prices just jump astronomically. But if you're ready yeah. for that and you said, hey, I don't want to I don't want to sleep on the floor. I don't want to sleep in a one star hotel room or we have real crew guys who don't give a fuck how much money we're saving. They want to sleep in a bed. Um, we need a bus or we need a bandwagon. Um, well, yeah. And, and in up. some of that, and, and it's nice, good segue into transportation expenses. Um, so I'll, I'll just read it here. It says from young bands venturing out on tour for the first time, the world's most famous musicians, no artist can avoid the cost of traveling from show to show transportation expenses very wildly as you'll soon see, because they can include everything from a small artist, gas and toll expenses down to the money. It costs a major music superstar to fly between continents. There's a lot of nasty hidden costs here to consider, including what it costs to park a big touring rig every night so on the basic level says about 3500 bucks again this is over a month to five grand medium is five grand to twenty five thousand premium twenty five thousand to two million you can see just as you pretty much said it it aligns very well between 
um, transportation as well as accommodations because, yeah, they they are tied into one another. How you choose to transport yourself absolutely chooses, you know, helps you choose or forces you to figure out how you are going to um, accommodate yourselves. One thing that I think is interesting as an artist grows, you know, and I'm sure you can talk on this is, you know, when you're trying to put on a big show, you know, uh, and you've got a, whatever, you're trying to do sound check, you're trying to do all these things, the time that you have to be at a venue for things like load in and all of that drastically uh, change. And so I've been on tours or been on tours with artists where we prided ourselves on being in a van, but the next thing, you, you know, when it was a four o'clock load in, it was no problem to leave Denver after the show, drive a couple hours and get to Salt Lake, you know, by four o'clock. When you start to talk about early load ins, it becomes much less manageable because, yeah, then you're not sleeping enough. So talk a little bit about, that, you know, that if you or any other insight that you have on the transportation component of it. Yeah, it's um, it's it's interesting because we keep breaking it down to basic and medium and where I totally relate. And then we see these premium numbers and it's crazy. But while I can't relate to it, I see what the the zed camp has to do uh one of their term their, their tour managers one of my best friends and i know their managers and all that so it's just been crazy to watch that dude grow and it's like i can sit here and be like save money man save money but it's like what do you want he's gonna play a show in san francisco and then two hours later play a show in vegas and then the next day need to be at a european festival the motherfucker is chartering a plane it is what it is you know and that's where these premium budgets go through the roof but that's like, you know, top 1% of artists. And I just think generally, if a lot of artists put spending uh, conservatively at the forefront of their decisions, it just creates longevity for a band. Because whether you're a kid who can't pay the rent or you're a husband who's leaving the family, you've got to come home with money. And I hate always harping on it. And, you know, probably comes off as like a little greedy or money hungry. But I just sadly know that it all starts and ends right there. You know, well, so I, I mean, I, you know, that. look, I, I don't think it comes off that way. And I think one of the nice things that you said is there's a testament to the way that you have kept artists sustainable for such a long time. You know, I mean, granted, you do. You've I've been able very fortunate to work with a lot of great artists. But I mean, I've worked with plenty of great artists, too. And when you can't make ends meet from the band, you come home consistently in debt. You can't do it anymore. Once you hit, you know, you and I have both watched just as we got off the road by the time we were 30. Yes, it aligned with times that we were falling in love and certain other things in our life. But it was also that's when things change. You need to start to think about those things. And if, and you know, we were fortunate that we were tour managers, so we were making money. But if we weren't, if we were in bands that weren't making money, our lives and our choices would have would have definitely differed. Um, you know, in any case, the premium tier, you know, Steve, you know, you mentioned Zed, Steve Aoki, a good friend of mine. I, you know, friends with his tour manager. I watch the way that they are fortunate enough to travel. What's so interesting is they still, I think guys like Zed and guys like Steve, even though they're in the most quote unquote comfortable level, i.e. in some cases a charter jet, it's, it's to make sure that they can do what they do on the level that they know it needs to be done with that same you know thing in mind. I'm talking about going between Denver and Salt Lake. These guys are just talking about flying between you know Vegas and Europe. So they're not spending money just to spend it, right? They're spending it in a way that makes sense for their budget to ensure that they're able to do you know all the things that that they want to do, which I just find 
cool and fascinating. Um, we'll be there one day, bud. Absolutely, <laughs> dude. And we'll be there together. Our, our dubstep side project uh, is coming in hot. Um, <laughs> insurance, uh, you know, uh, we can touch on this pretty quickly. You know, it gives the ranges. I mean, what is, do you deal with insurance a lot? At what stage are you encouraging your artists to get it? Is it, you know, what would you say to this? Well, now being in the middle of three lawsuits currently for three different bands, uh, it is the era where you need insurance. And I skated by a long time with just saying, oh, screw that, man. Like, we'll be fine. It's hardcore. It's punk. It's whatever it is. It's aggressive. Of course, someone's jumping off the stage. Of course, there's a mosh pit. You know, that's just not the era anymore. It is, it is not okay for bands to be traveling without insurance, bottom line. Because when someone gets hurt, they just throw out a net. And they see a band on stage who they think are millionaires when they're not. They see a promoter who they think is a millionaire, which he's not. They see a booking agency who are, you know, the company is a gigantic company, but they're locked down with insurance. So they just sue everybody. They sue everybody. I'm, like I said, me personally, from, for the three bands I rep that are in lawsuits, I'm personally sued also. And while I'm set up fine and I have insurance, I still have to pay money to prove yeah. that it's not my fault that someone jumped off stage at the terror show. You know what I mean? So it's this big thing where everyone is suing everyone at all times. So if you're a band, a promoter, if you're anything that is service-based that anybody could get hurt at, just get insurance. That's all yeah, I can say. Yeah, I mean, say. I think what's, <laughs> I think I, I would agree. I mean, Chris Rock says it best, you know, insurance is in case shit, like in case shit happens, you are protected. And, and, you know, I come from that same world. Why would we need it? And yes, you're, I mean, things do happen. And inevitably I would encourage people to look at insurance as something like an investment. You know, you are investing. Yes. 99% of the time you don't need it. So you might look at it as a wasted uh, line item that, however, that 1% of the time, and you don't know when that's coming as Biggie can attest, he probably made it a long time. And now he looks, sounds like he's got three things on his plate and I've had plenty of them on my own. It's, it, you know, having it is absolutely an investment. Um, so we'll move on to crew salaries and per diems. Members of your touring staff could include anyone from the musicians you hire uh, to back you up on stage, to sound engineers, to choreographers and dancers. For artists touring on a bare bones touring budget, a touring crew could be as small as a as just the band themselves. Solo artists bring one extra person along to man the merch booth, whatever. Um, again, he talks about some stuff with uh, Katy Perry, you name it. So he's saying basic, you got 7500 bucks to twenty thousand in a month medium twenty thousand to a hundred thousand and premium a hundred thousand to fifteen million five hundred thousand um, i think this is the first one where they really overshot they're yeah seventy five hundred <laughs> saying that there's no real level before seventy five hundred or seventy five hundred dollars a week is insane i mean that's a that's a pretty legit crew you gotta think that's that's four people making an average of what like seventeen hundred bucks or something that's, is that's this a real... week or is this a month? I th I think um, oh, it doesn't right. really. Only, whatever, right, it, doesn't right. really <laughs> it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah totally. Because as <laughs> and the reason Biggie says that for the most of you, you know, when he and I hire people that do stuff for our artists, we either it, it's typically either a day rate or weekly. You get into larger things where it could be a retainer, but but yeah. So even seventy five hundred bucks a month, right? You know, that's, that's twice the, the bottom. The, yeah, exactly. So I, I, you know, I think just not even the specific numbers themselves. What's your general thoughts on what crew to take, when to increase it, how to figure out who to take, you know, where it sits in the budget, you name it. 
Yeah, well, I touched on it earlier. Merch guy's got to be number one. These guys are making a lot of money on merchandise, which you know we talk about next, actually. But then uh, after that, I, I'm a huge fan of double duty guys. If you got a merch guy that can also be your tour manager, maybe it's because that's what I was, and so it seems like a natural segue. You're already handling money. You're already advancing something. You know, like it's not that hard to like take the next steps when at that level. If you don't have a crew and it's just you and the band and one guy, there's not that much to tour manage usually. So my advice is stay as lean as possible. Get guys that can do double duty. Work up to that front of house guy. Work up to the tech. And in terms of when, it's it's very obvious. Very obvious when it's awkward for the guitarist to be on stage before they play, fiddling around with their guitars. You know, it's very obvious when you you need the guy to run your VIPs that day. You need, you know, whatever it is, you're, you're, you're so big that you, your fan base demands such content. You need a photographer and videographer on stage. These things are obvious. You can right. do it too early and spend the money, but it's pretty obvious when you need to take those steps up. And ideally if the system works, you're making more money so you can spend more money as these tier prices increase. Yeah, you know, it's interesting that you say obvious. I mean, it's obvious to you, of course, and obvious to me. We've been involved so long. But I think the the point is to all of you listening, maybe it's not obvious uh, as much as it's trust your gut, right? You know, again, Biggie and I deal with a lot of bands who, yeah, I mean, look, rightfully so. They're looking at what other bands are doing. You know, they're saying that person has X, that person has Y, that person has Z. And I think, you know, what our advice is is probably very similar. It's well, good for them, you know, just as if my neighbor has uh, something and I don't have it. Well, if that doesn't fit into my lively, my livelihood budget, you know, to be able to afford what I can within my means, then so be it. Good for them. I'll work harder and get there. So if you want a whole bunch of crew, but your budget tells you otherwise, um, you know, it's again, it's got to be a very, some of these decisions are very black and white. Uh, I think we tie a lot of emotion into them, but the numbers don't lie. <laughs> and that does lead us into merchandise, which, you know, it says merchandise is providing great merch options for fans is an essential part of profitable touring for artists at any stage, more than just t-shirts and stickers, blah, 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 blah. Money earned from merch often means the difference between making a profit on tour or not, which I think we can both agree with. It says at the basic level, an artist merch booth might feature single options for shirts and stickers, but major artists offer dozens of varieties of everything from hooded sweatshirts to holiday sweaters. So we don't really need to worry about the tiers themselves. Just know there's basic, medium, and premium, which you can look at in the article. But talk about merchandise from your perspective, Biggie. Well, merchandise is pretty damn huge for these bands now. Um, I always joke and say, oh, I, I, I run 12 clothing lines that put out records sometimes. You know, we, <laughs> have to do, we have to do so much with merch because it's a, a, it's just a lot of income, but B, it's, it's like a quantifiable much more than um, you know, selling a record, you know, you, you go online, you spend the 20 bucks after cost, your band probably gets 80% of that. Just ding, ding, very, very direct to the band. Um, so whether it's online or on tour, merch is huge. I feel like I'm, there's not a day that goes by where I'm not looking at 20 to 30 things on, on top of cotton and the good merch companies out there come up with new creative ways to get, to get it out there. You can only put cool designs on t-shirts to where someone goes, you know what, man, uh, I have, four knock loose shirts i don't need a fifth but maybe i need this knock loose dad hat maybe i need you know creative ways or cool ways to do it especially when releasing an album to bundle up with merchandise um yeah it, it seems to be a gigantic part of my day i don't know about you 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think especially for the genres that we specialize in, and I also think you and I are really hands-on in that sense. Um, you know, and you know what I found in my artists is usually there's one or two people that really gravitate towards wanting to, you know, maximize and exacerbate, you know, not only what we're selling, um, but yeah, looking at the the profit margins and making sure that, you know, it is something that can be a lot of fun. Um, and like you alluded to, there's certain companies that work great in terms of being able to bring options to the table. Um, you know, it's one of the most exciting parts of the business for the exact reasons you said you can really affect this not only what i talk about the merchandise itself the merchandise seller who's selling it is it just a warm body that's sitting behind the table that's not going to actually approach people um or is it somebody that isn't you know overselling they're not being terribly aggressive but they're making sure that people who come up know what is being sold. Hey, you see that blue shirt? Well, we actually have a green version. Or are you aware that this vinyl is actually clear vinyl and it's limited to this tour? You can't expect for people that walk up to the merch table to just know everything that you guys know. Um, and that, in in my mind, is just as important as all of the options themselves. Um, We'll talk on marketing promotion for just a second. It says to ensure the successful tour, marketing campaigns are used to get the word out to the general public. Basic and medium expense levels marketing for a tour might consist of purchasing ads on social medias, potentially all weeklies. Of course, it goes up from there. Actually, this is an interesting one because I know Good Fight, the management company, has had uh, someone who does tour marketing, it, it, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe exclusively is is one of the roles that you guys have or has had at the company. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, we. It, it's one of the things that I think sets us apart that I'm a huge, since, since we know bands make so much money, so much of their money from tour, um, I focus on it a lot. And successful tours is something that I'm very passionate about, obviously. And we have a woman that uh, is amazing at tour marketing. We she's exclusive in terms of like for our company, but she's so good and she was getting such high offers that I had to basically say, Hey, go take these offers from live nation AEG as well, because what they're offering you, I can't afford to pay it. So still work for me, please. I love you. Please stay. Uh, and also do all that other stuff. But yeah, we have a marketing girl along with social media girl that tackles all that for us. And thank God I don't have to know what's the newest and hottest thing because they know for me. And I just trust them with my life and they help for everything from making sure all the participants in the tours from managers and labels and, and, and publicists all have it uh, all the way down to bugging all the bands to post about it, to coming up with new content, to, you know, if there is something going on in the press, make sure all the bands post about it. Just, you know, there's so much noise in the world, not just in the touring market, but trying to get our stuff to stand out from every other tour out there. Yeah, definitely. And, and, you know, I love what you say and what I've watched you do and we've tried to do um, is, yeah, you and I can't be the experts on everything, um, but we know what needs to get done for our artists. Many of you out there who are listening who, you know, you don't have the guidance of outside parties in any capacity, you're doing a lot of this on your own. So artists who come to me that are doing their own Facebook spends, their own social spends. And so just because we're talking about it from our perspective doesn't mean you have to have someone uh, leading you in that. You guys can hire out as well. If you have a friend who is really great at some of the social media stuff, again, Biggie and I can 
can't keep up on our own. So we bring other people in. You guys are more than welcome to do the same thing, whether they're being paid directly, whether they're being compensated in other capacities. Just know what you're missing and don't be afraid to ask for it. Um, last but not least in the budgets, it says commissions and third-party payments. The larger the tour, the more outside commissions and third-party payments there are to split profits with. Concert promoters, managers, booking agents, and of course, the venues you'll play in will inevitably take a sizable cut of your profits. If you're touring at a medium or premium level, it says it's even common for the profits from merch sales to be split among third parties like venues and promoters. It's an unavoidable part of touring for virtually all established artists. Um you know, it says, again, it gives some ranges. We don't really need to talk about them. I think just in general, there's there's a lot here. I mean, there's different levels of quote-unquote commissions, splits, you name it, that it, we couldn't go into in all of this. But as a whole, comments on, on this category? Yeah, I mean, it, it just breaks it down, which how hard it is to be a band, you know? I mean, we get that. They're the band. They're the talent. Nothing is. None of us have a job without them. But at the same time, what, what am I supposed to do? Have like myself, my day to day manager, my marketing girl, my social media girl, all work for free. You know, we're busting our ass too. So we need to get paid. And I think more than anything, this just outlines like, man, it's tough to be a band. So if you can support bands, if you like a band, try to support them. If you see a band that's been around for 10, 15, 20 years, like respect it. You know, because there's a lot of uh. A lot of cooks in the kitchen, a lot of hands in the pot. Um, but I don't think it's necessarily unfair because it all just kind of makes sense. No one can work for free, you know? Yeah, and the other comment I'll make, you know, just because I deal with this a lot. I mean, to me, when I operate and, and manage and lead the businesses, which, you know, it's interesting. You said you, there's 12 t-shirt companies that make music. Essentially, you're a consultant and or slash CEO of 12 different companies, right? And so what happens a lot of times in my world is, you've got people that look at these things in a silo. A tour happened, they're looking at expenses for, let's say, commissions or third parties and saying, well, this isn't necessarily what we want to pay. Or maybe it is. Maybe they've gotten a great service and a great value. But the way I look at my business is because I have to do this for my own business, I have to look at it throughout the totality of everything. So for an artist out there, if a tour is allowing them to sell more shirts online, it's allowing them to get more special guest appearances, you know, one-offs, uh, sync opportunities, you name it. You have to look at what you're spending for stuff like consultancy, like management, like booking agency. You got to more or less, um, you know, allow it to, you know, look at it over the course of every little bit that's that's going on. Because you and I both know we we do plenty of work. Our staff does plenty of work um, that's never compensated in a direct capacity. Um, so to me, I try to look at the totality of it. And thankfully, you know, I think most of the artists that we work with understand and respect that, um, you know, because they they recognize the level of professionalism and service that they're getting from someone like yourself and and their and your great staff. Um, so this all brings us to an end. It's a pretty long episode. It talks about how, you know, he summarizes, gives some numbers here, the basic estimates of your costs. Of course, you've got to look at your incomes and really just says, don't let, don't let it turn into a money pit. Smart budgeting and planning expenses ahead of time can make the difference between a meaningful payday or a career ending debacle. Um, any final thoughts from your end on 
our wonderful article of how much does it cost to tour in 2018? Uh, just that I don't want to paint a bleak picture. <laughs> Touring is awesome. Music is awesome. Uh, very happy to work in this space. And I don't mean to be so cautionary because I feel like if you get too worried about like, well, fuck, these guys make it sound like I'll never make a dollar, then, you know, that's not my goal. But, you know, just be careful. I'm an, I'm an old dad now and I worry about stuff. So just get well, out there and make I think, decisions. I think you're a realist and I'm, I'm glad that you ended it that way. Um, I think, you know, look, what you listeners can take away, hopefully from Biggie is what a wealth of experience. Here's a guy with 20 plus years, um, you know, 10 out on the road himself, 10, as you can hear, working with some of the, the biggest artists in underground music and in some stream, some senses, even mainstream music. Uh, you're not painting a bleak picture to me. You're saying if you don't pay attention to these things, it will be a bleak picture. That's what I'm taking away, my man. So uh, everyone out there, thank you for listening. Biggie, uh, where can we find you on socials or any parting thoughts? You can find me on Instagram at BiggieXXX and uh, check out goodfightmanagement.com. And final thoughts are thanks for having me. Blasco, thanks for letting me sit in your seat. I'm a fellow cat man, so I hope I, I hope I did you proud. Um, guys, I mean, it's awesome to have you, Biggie, and technically you're sitting in my seat, and I'm trying to sit in Blasco's seat. Uh, for those of you out there that are listening, I'd love your feedback as to how the last two episodes have gone. Again, we had Emily White, uh, who's got her fantastic uh, podcast, Interning 101, which we launched on Jabberjaw Media Podcast Network. She was on last week. Biggie's on this week, which Biggie might sound sounds like maybe we got to start gearing you up for your own podcast here, bro. Um, oh, boy. <laughs> you guys can find me on socials at Mike Loop. That's Twitter and Instagram. Of course, there's the Outer Loop uh, Coaching.com. That's my coaching platform, which, you know, gives you some of the tools to budget for things like touring, allows you to look at things like setting up records. Um, big shout out to our sponsors. Uh, Rockabilia.com, uh, use the code PC Jabberjaw for 15% off, and Banzoogle.com, use that code MENTAL for 15% off. Um, thank you all very much. Rate and review on wherever you're listening to podcasts. Check out JabberjawMedia.com for more great podcasts like this one, and have a fantastic day, fantastic week. Thanks, everybody. Peace. Peace. Hey, this is Aaron from No Simple Road. I'm inviting you to come hang out with Apple, Mel, and I as we talk with the musicians, artists, chefs, authors, and beyond from the world that turns us on. We're reaching into the improvisational music scene, the psychedelic culture, the festival world, and getting to know what makes the people tick that create those scenes. Come join us on the long, strange trip over at No Simple Road. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.